You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STB Sports Take, Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sean Bingham. We are on YouTube, we are on Spotify, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, and many, many more. Thank you to all of you watching, listening, love having you. Please, please, please subscribe. If you are watching this on YouTube and you like what you see, please subscribe. I appreciate the support. If you're listening on Apple or Google or Anchor or Spotify, please subscribe. You guys are awesome. And please share the podcast. Comment below. Send in your, your sound bites at the, uh, on the Anchor app or anchor.fm slash stbsportstake. You guys can actually have your voice heard here on the podcast. Pretty cool feature. So feel free to send in your sound bites um, and please comment on YouTube. I'm responding to most of the comments. I've had some fun back and forth with some Philly fans uh, that don't love my takes on Ben Simmons. I'm not hating the guy. I just don't think he's as good as Donovan Mitchell. That's my honest opinion, and I've tried to back it up. But I'm loving the back and forth, loving the commenting, so please keep it up, you guys. Got a fun show lined up today, a lot of NFL a lot of NFL talk. Um, there's been some big moves in free agency. We'll get into some stuff with the NBA and, of course, the bracket. So I'll put the link in the description below, whether you're on YouTube or whatever, whatever platform you're listening or watching on. Um, I'll have the link to the bracket challenge in the description. So, again... You can enter the bracket challenge. I'm going to pay $100 to the winner of the bracket challenge, STB Sports Take. So just go on ESPN.com, STB Sports Take for the bracket challenge. And the winner gets 100 bucks. Plus, you can have a segment on the podcast if you so choose. We can do like a Zoom call or something that we record. And it's free to enter. So check that out. Uh, but yeah, let's let's get started. The, the Patriots yesterday... Uh, it was the first day of, you know, essentially this new free agency where you're you're not tampering, you know, with players. And for the first time in a decade, they went big. They went real big. In fact, it was the most money they had spent on this first day in over 10 years. So it felt very much like Bill Belichick. I know he claims that he doesn't listen to the media. He doesn't watch the media. But it feels very much like he's aware that we're all saying that Tom Brady has won this divorce between him and, and Tom Brady. The divorce has been very heavily favored um, on Tom Brady's side. He just won a Super Bowl. Patriots missed the playoffs. And so what do they do? They go out and sign Hunter Henry, tight end, three-year, $37.5 million. Jonu Smith, tight end, four-year, $50 million, 31.25 fully guaranteed. Those were actually the two top tight ends in all of free agency. The Patriots landed both of them. And it reminded me of the years where they had both Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. The Aaron Hernandez thing turned out horribly, as we know. Um, but those were two mega, mega talented tight ends on the same team at the same time. And it worked really, really well for Belichick in the past. And it looks like he's taking a similar approach here, signing both Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Again, the two top free agents uh, at the tight end position, both now with the, uh, the New England Patriots. And just looking at some of their numbers, so those are just two weapons he added to Cam's arsenal. Um, we're going to get into one more, but Hunter Henry last year had 60 receptions, uh, 613 yards, and four touchdowns. Pretty good production from a tight end. Jonu Smith um, had 41 receptions, 448 yards, eight touchdowns. Also great production out of a tight end. Um and Johnny Smith is only 25, coming from the Titans, by the way. Hunter Henry, coming from the Chargers, is only 26. So those are two young players 
both very, very talented, um, very skilled tight ends that could make a huge difference for the Patriots, giving Cam Newton more weapons around him. The other weapon they added was Nelson Aguilar. Now, this is a guy that has shown signs of being a tremendous wide receiver, but he's also shown signs of being uh, unreliable. He's dropped a lot of balls, but he's kind of had you know his ups and downs. Last year, he had 896 yards with eight touchdowns on 48 receptions. That was with the Raiders. He's only 27. So now that's three guys in their mid-20s, all of which can produce catches, yards, and touchdowns that the, the Patriots signed just yesterday and this morning to add to, to as weapons for Cam Newton. Now you get a Cam Newton coming back that's motivated. You know, we saw that clip go out, go around of the kid at the camp, at Cam Newton's camp, basically mocking him as being a free agent. And Cam's like, I'm rich. You know, and it turned out to be this big thing. It was really kind of sad. Um, hopefully the kid learned a good lesson there. But I think you're seeing a hungry Cam Newton, a hungry Bill Belichick. They've just added three pretty pretty good weapons. None of these guys are superstars, but that's not really been the Patriot way. They've never been the the team of superstars with the exception of Brady and Gronk. And Gronk's personality made him as a superstar as much as his play did. They did have Randy Moss. You know, they've definitely had their stars, but not not many, not many at all, especially at that superstar level. They're not the team that's going after the OBJs. You know, the uh, I guess they did have, I was going to say Antonio Brown, but they did have him briefly, but that didn't last long either. And then Antonio Brown goes to Tampa Bay to follow Tom Brady and ends up getting a touchdown in the Super Bowl. So the, the, the Patriot way... Um, is still partially intact. I'd say it got a little bit eliminated when they went and spent all this huge money. So Nelson Aguilar, by the way, uh, a two-year deal, $26 million. Again, Hunter Henry, three-year, $37.5 million. Johnny Smith, four-year, $50 million. So big money spent on these uh, these younger players that can catch the ball and be, be weapons for Cam Newton. Um, they also spent big money on edge rusher, uh, Matthew Judon. That was four year, 56 million with 32 million guaranteed. He had eight sacks last year. So those are, and I think, I think pro football focus had him somewhere around the 22nd or so, uh, best, best rusher in football. So quality player, not, not a mega superstar by any means, but, but another great, uh, great player that they added on the defensive side of the ball. So they make big, big moves. Uh, Bill Belichick's coming out guns a blazing for the first time in a decade. So that part of the Patriot way seems to be smashed to pieces, right? Like they're going and that they're spending money now. And, um, but the, the, on the flip side, the, the Patriot way that seems to be still intact is they're, they're going after solid players, not mega superstars, big names, uh, things like that. So we'll see what the Patriots can do. My prediction for them, they went seven and nine last year. I think with these additions, I think you're seeing a hungry Bill Belichick, a hungry Cam Newton, and I think with these additions, you're going to see the Patriots go and make a wild card spot in the playoffs. I think they will make the playoffs next year, especially now that seven teams get in. Um, I don't think they'll make much, do much damage in the playoffs. Maybe win a wild card game, but that would be a best case scenario for them. They would have to have Cam Newton would have to turn back the clock six years all the way back to MVP Cam for them to have a chance at beating Kansas City or even Buffalo, for that matter. Those are clearly the teams to beat um, in the AFC. And But again, the Patriots, I think you'll see an improvement from 7-9. and nine. Cam Newton in his second year with the team. Um, won't have all the COVID issues going on. And so I think you'll see uh, an uptick uh, on the Patriots, and I think you'll see them make the playoffs. 
Okay, another signing that took place yesterday. Uh, this was expected. This was called. I called this yesterday. Said that the Saints were going to work to sign Jameis Winston and that uh, Taysom Hill's renegotiated contract was really just going to going to end up being voided. That will happen. Taysom Hill will be on the team. He's not going to get that full massive contract that you saw him sign. But they re-signed Jameis Winston, and I had predicted that this was going to be the case and that he was really their guy and that, that they wanted to keep Taysom probably as a backup slash Swiss Army knife, jack-of-all-trades, the guy that can be a threat running, catching, um, throwing, and then even on special teams. I mean, the guy can do it all. So I think he needs to stay in that position, but they signed Jameis to a one-year $12 million deal. One-year, $12 million bucks. He just turned 27, Jameis did, and he's 28-42 and 42 as a starter. So he obviously has a losing record. That's uh, That's the reason he was ditched by the Bucks, and the Saints picked him up. He since then has had eye surgery. He's had a year under Drew Brees, a year under Sean Payton, and we'll see if he can basically eliminate a lot of those mistakes that he made as a starter in Tampa Bay because those were the things things holding him back. The guy threw for over 5,000 yards. There's only a handful of guys that have ever done that in the history of the league. Jameis Winston is one of them. He also threw for 30 touchdowns. So the guy has very real capability in him, but he threw for 30 picks as well. And he also has been known to fumble the ball here and there. So those are the thing, those are the mistakes you absolutely have to eliminate. And I think the Saints are thinking, you know what, we, we believe that he's done this. We don't believe it enough to give him a long-term deal, but we believe it enough that we think he's the guy over Taysom or over going after any of these big stars. Maybe they made some phone calls to Seattle. Um, I don't know, to try and get like a Russell Wilson. Maybe they made some phone calls to Houston to try and get Deshaun Watson. I don't know. But right now, Jameis Winston appears to be the guy in New Orleans. I think it's the right move. I think Jameis Winston has huge potential. And I really, truly believe that Taysom Hill needs to embrace his position as one of the most unique players in the entire NFL. The guy can do everything. He can do it all. He can be a threat to run the ball, to throw the ball, to catch the ball. The guy has blocked kicks before. He's a special teams guy. He can block. There's truly nothing Taysom Hill can't do, and I think he needs to embrace the role of of jack-of-all-trades, a very unique skill set that he has. And if Jameis goes into pick Jameis, interception Jameis, then Taysom Hill will be there to, to become the starter. But I think he's actually more valuable to them as the Swiss Army Knife, as the guy that can do everything because he's throwing defenses off. It's so hard to prepare for Taysom Hill. Maybe you'll see a little bit of a two-quarterback set like I mentioned yesterday. But again, I think Taysom and the Saints need to embrace that role that Taysom has. And Taysom, go make millions. No pressure being a backup. No pressure being a guy that comes in uh, for to run the ball a few times, throw the ball a few times, catch it once or twice, be on special teams. So much less pressure than being a starting quarterback. Make your millions of dollars. Have a ton of fun and enjoy enjoy it. Okay, one thing that I have to touch on, uh, sticking with the Saints here real quick, is, you know, we talked yesterday about Drew Brees. Obviously, he retired. And I mentioned that, uh, in my opinion, he's the fourth greatest quarterback of all time, as of right now, as of right now. And now that can change, obviously. It always is changing, right? I mean, years ago, we wouldn't have had him on the list. Um, years ago, we might not have even had Tom Brady on the list if we go back 15 years or so, right? You would have had Joe Montana's and John Elway's and maybe Johnny Unitas and, you know, Brett Favre. But those guys have all been passed for the most part. And right now, my list is Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, and I would say Drew Brees is right there at number four, and I would maybe put Aaron Rodgers at number five. 
And I've, I saw some quote-unquote experts not even having Drew Brees in their top 10. Most of them not in, in their top five. Some not even in their top 10. And I'm thinking, what planet are they living on? What games are they watching? Are they just going off of Aaron Rodgers has the better arm and he's better looking and he's taller and he has more hair, so therefore he's better? Like They've both just been to one Super Bowl and they won it and they were both MVP. And all of the records are held by Drew Brees. So what is it that makes Aaron Rodgers so much better? I get it that he has I get it that he has a better arm. He has more arm talent. He has more arm talent than than all of the guys that I've listed actually. But look at the actual results. You've got to take into account leadership ability. Drew Brees is a significantly better leader than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a bit of a diva. Aaron Rodgers is the guy finger pointing every time somebody makes a mistake on the field. If there's a mistake made, he makes sure that the cameras all see who it was so that it's not pointed at him. That, to me, that has to be taken into account when you're talking about the greatest quarterbacks of all time. It is a leadership position. And to me, you know, that's where Aaron Rodgers has really, really not been so great. And Drew Brees has. And so Drew Brees has to be uh, among the top five. If you don't have him in your top five, if you don't have him in your top 10, you're literally insane. If you don't have him in your top five, I would love to know who you've got. I saw one list that had Patrick Mahomes. Now, is Patrick Mahomes on the rise? Is his stock rising? Yeah, it absolutely is. But certainly there's something to be said about longevity when we're talking about the all-time greats. If we're talking like a GOAT player, certainly longevity has to count for something. And right now, Patrick Mahomes, if he were to retire tomorrow— He's got a league MVP. He's got a Super Bowl MVP, two Super Bowl appearances, but he's got like four seasons or what is it? Five seasons under his belt. I mean, he hasn't done enough yet to be considered one of the goats. He's got to do it for another at least three seasons, bare minimum, I would say, to be considered a goat. And so Drew Brees, to me, fourth greatest quarterback of all time. I had to get that out there. Okay. Another signing yesterday. This one, pretty expected, not a huge deal. The Bucks signed Gronk. Uh, to a one-year deal, 10 million bucks. So the band is really, truly staying together in Tampa Bay. The one guy they don't have locked up that I think is a pretty important piece is Ndamukong Su. Uh, I think there's a good chance we see him leave in free agency, but he hasn't yet. He hasn't signed anywhere, so we'll see what happens. But they've got their key key pieces are back. Like the most key pieces, the most important uh, key pieces are back in Tampa Bay, and you're going to see them as one of the favorites, certainly in the NFC. Um but that'll be fun to watch. But yeah, expected Gronk is back. Okay, so big signing that I wanted to talk about is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic, if you will. Fitzmagic signed with my Washington football team, my favorite team in all of sports. I know you think I'm just jazz hungry out here in Utah, but the Washington football team is my very favorite team. And it's been hard. It's been hard because Washington, when I grew up, so when I was a kid, I was born in 1981. In the nine years that I lived, or 10 years that I lived in D.C., that 10-year span, the Washington football team won three Super Bowls. They went to the playoffs seven times out of 10 years. They went to the Super Bowl four times out of 10 years, and they won the Super Bowl three times out of 10 years. So it is in my blood to love the Washington football team. I literally, for those years, experienced what Alabama fans experienced, Alabama football fans, or Patriot fans experienced for so many years. I got that. I got a piece of that where like your team is just the team. They're so good. And you genuinely love them and you have every reason to love them because you live right near the stadium, right? So that was awesome for me. Well, since then, 
you know, they've, they've really, really struggled. In fact, I looked up just how awful they've been in recent times. And by the way, Fitzmagic, I don't even know if I said this, he signed with the Washington football team. Okay. It's a one-year deal. Um, it's 10 million bucks with a chance at 12 million, uh, you know, with some bonuses structured in there, things like that. I like it because I love Fitzmagic. Uh, I love him as a leader. I love him as a competitor. I don't love the fact that he's 38 and it's his 17th season and he's like this journeyman of all journeymen. Uh, I don't see him as like a, 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 clearly he's not a long-term solution. Uh, Maybe Heineke is, maybe Kyle Allen is. I like Taylor Heineke better than Kyle Allen personally, but, um, and you're getting him for dirt cheap, Taylor Heineke. I mean, he came in and played really, really well those few games, didn't he? I mean, the the games that, uh, you know, we, we released Dwayne Haskins and Alex Smith has obviously got some health issues. Taylor Heineke just gets thrown into the mix. It's like he was pulled out of his regular day job and made an NFL quarterback and starts a playoff game and actually performed really quite well. And so I'm I'm very excited to see what he can do. And maybe Fitzpatrick is there just to uh, you know offer guidance and leadership, kind of like the Dolphins just did with him and Tua. Um, I think the Dolphins were better with Fitzmagic than they were with Tua, but. Clearly, too, is a more viable long-term solution. You at least got to give that a chance. You drafted him so high. Maybe that's what Fitzpatrick's going to do for Washington with Taylor Heineke, just to see what they've got there before they go and spend massive money on a, on a big name. Obviously, I, as a Washington football team fan, I would like to see a Russell Wilson or a uh, you know Deshaun Watson go there, even Marcus Mariota. But I don't mind the Fitzmagic thing just to see what we've got with him and with Taylor Heineke and, and Kyle Allen because he could be a great mentor to those guys. But anyway, getting back to what I was talking about, and I'm going to say why I think that more quarterbacks should want to go to Washington. I've got great, great evidence as to why they should want to go there. And I'm very surprised that they don't. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, But okay, so since that time, since the Washington football team won their last Super Bowl, which was the 91 season, they have won three playoff games in 29 years. They've won three playoff games. So again, I'm I'm 39. My first 10 years of life was just heaven as a little kid, right? Watching the Washington football team. The last 29 years, three playoff wins. Yikes, that is bad. Their last playoff win was in 2005. The Washington football team has not won a playoff game since 2005. They've made the playoffs just seven times in that 29-year span. So... About 10 years ago, they were one of the most, they were actually the most valuable franchise in all of sports. And now they're the eighth most valued, valuable franchise just in the NFL and third in their own division. The Dallas Cowboys and New York Giants are both valued higher. They have, they're worth more, uh, according to Forbes, than the Washington football team is. And right behind them, just barely behind them at ninth, is the Philadelphia Eagles, which, by the way, the NFC East, despite how bad they were last year, let's be honest, they still own the NFL. All four of the NFC East teams, Cowboys, Giants, Washington, and Philly, all four of them are in the top nine for most valued franchises in the, in the NFL. No other division even has three. And only two even have two in the top 10. That's in the top 10. So by the way, because I'm sure you're curious as you're listening, as I was going through it, I thought, you know, I better have this pulled up. So here's here's what the top 10 are, by the way. Cowboys at number one, Patriots at number two, Giants at number three, Los Angeles Rams at number four, which actually surprised me, um, but they are at number four. 
Number five, the 49ers. Number six is the Jets. Number seven is the Chicago Bears. That's another franchise that is just a storied franchise. Tons of wins in their past, Super Bowls, and they've just been totally mediocre for quite some time. But the Chicago Bears, Washington football team coming in at number eight, Eagles at number nine, and then at number 10 is the Houston Texans. So those are your top 10 most valued franchises in the NFL. Three of them, again, all in the top nine from the NFC East. So don't sleep on the NFC East. They still own the NFL despite their despite the Washington football team having a losing record last year and winning the division. That was really something. But who gave the Tampa Bay Bucks their biggest challenge last season in the playoffs? The Washington football team, which is exactly what I want to get into right now. Why is it that more team, more quarterbacks, big-name quarterbacks, don't want to go to Washington? Why do they not want to go there? They have one of the top defenses in the entire NFL. They've got some really solid young stars on both sides of the football. They've got a proven head coach who's a player type of coach too, and Ron Rivera. They've All the pieces are there to, to just add a star quarterback and be what? The Tampa Bay Bucks. The Tampa Bay Bucks were 7-9. and nine. They had a stout defense. They had some young stars. They had a great coach that players all loved. And Jameis Winston couldn't get it done for them. They swap out Jameis Winston for Tom Brady and win the Super Bowl year one. There's no reason that a Deshaun Watson and a Russell Wilson should not want to go play for the Washington football team. I get that their ownership is... Dan Snyder is one of the worst owners in the NFL. I hate to say that because that's the team that I love, but I think he's one of the biggest problems. I do think, though, that he's finally been coming to his senses. He's finally fired a few of his buddies. He's finally hired some of the right pieces, and he's he's finally changed the team name and things like that. Like He's starting to be a little bit less stubborn, a little bit less prideful. And to me, like there's a huge shift in the culture there in Washington. I think Ron Rivera is a big part of that. But again, you've got one of the very best defenses in the entire league. They were, they were, you know, depends on which, um, you know, measurements you're looking at, which stats you're looking at. But they were top two or three defense, honestly, in the entire NFL last year, the Washington football team was. And all of their stars are young on defense. And so you've got this stout defense. You've got like a top, I think their offensive line is rated like sixth in the NFL. So you've got a top offensive line, a top defense, a great coach. Some, some quality talents and weapons around you on offense. Why are star quarterbacks not wanting to go there? Why is And it's in a big market among one of the most valued franchises in the, in the entire NFL, in the most viewed uh, division in the entire NFL, New York, the Dallas Cowboys, Washington, Philadelphia. Those are literally like, those are top markets. So your eyeballs are going to be on you. From a branding perspective, you've got great capabilities. There's no reason that a top star quarterback should not want to go to Washington. Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, hopefully this gets back to you. You guys should want to be there. You should want to be in Washington. It's better than Seattle. It's better than Houston. Of course, we know Deshaun Watson wants out. But to me, like star quarterbacks should want to be there. They should want to be there. You're in the NFC East. You're at a storied franchise, and you've got the pieces around you that you need. To turn a team that just went seven and nine, won the division, seven and nine, gave the Bucks a run for their money in the playoffs. You add a star quarterback to that mix. I think it takes a team from seven and nine to eleven and five or twelve and four, and you make a deep playoff run. You've got a real shot at winning a Super Bowl. That's my honest opinion. If you got if you add a Russell Wilson, especially a Russell Wilson, because he's been there, done that, 
You add him to a Washington football team, you've got a potential Super Bowl team. Deshaun Watson, right there as well. So I think more players should want to go to Washington. Okay, transitioning now to the NBA. Um, the Bucks are now winners of four straight. They're 3-0 since the All-Star break. Giannis has had three triple-doubles in those three games. Um, they're two games out of first now, but the top of the East is really, really surging. The top of the East is really surging. In fact, I've got the standings pulled up here. The Sixers have won five straight. They're eight and two in their last 10. The Nets have won five straight. They're nine and one in their last 10. The Bucks have won four straight. They're nine and one in their last 10. The Heat have won four straight. They're nine and one in their last 10. Those are the top four teams in the East. All of them surging. Nine and one in their last 10. Eight and two or nine and one with winners of four or five straight. Really, really a surging Eastern Conference. The Bucks, though, are the ones that, to me, they were the team to beat coming into the season. Then, of course, well, actually the Nets were the team to beat always. Then they're really the team to beat now. But the Bucks are one to watch. I think you're going to see the Bucks and the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's going to depend on how the seeding ends up. To me, those are still the two best teams, um, certainly ahead of the Sixers and the Heat, which are the other two right there. Heat are the Eastern Conference defending champs. But again, that was kind of a COVID bubble situation. So to me, the top two teams are the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. All of them are surging. Um, again, last night, the Clippers beat the Mavericks. Clippers, have, they're like four and six in the last 10, kind of interesting. Lakers crushed the Warriors, um, also four and six in their last 10, Lakers, and the Warriors are as well. So kind of headed in the wrong direction. And then there was a battle of, for New York City, the battle of NYC, as I call it here. Uh, the Nets beat the Knicks 117-112. Harden had 21 points, 15 points, or excuse me, 21 points, 15 rebounds, 15 assists. Uh, was over um, from three-point land, but again, a triple-double. The Nets continue to surge without Kevin Durant, which is a huge, huge testament to just how good this team's going to be. Um, yeah, a, a triple-double by James Harden. Again, it's like he's a walking triple-double. So, Interesting stuff there. Tonight, uh, you've got the Jazz in action, my Jazz, up against the Boston Celtics on TNT. Interested to see how that one goes. But. Okay, last on the docket, Bracket Talk. Bracket Talk. Again, join the STB Sports Take Bracket. Um, it's uh, on ESPN.com. Link's in the description. 100 bucks to the winner, free to enter. Also, if you win, you don't just get the $100, but you can be on the podcast via Zoom or phone call or however you want to do it. We'll figure it out. Um, this is the happiest season of all. I have historically loved March Madness. As you know, I focus more on the NFL and the NBA here on the podcast. I'm going to continue to do that, but I certainly love college basketball as well and college football and major league baseball. I'm just a fan of sports in general. Um, growing up, March Madness was like my favorite thing. I would, you know, I was the guy that had the newspaper in elementary school and I'd cut out the bracket and I'd fill it out, you know, on my desk at school. And seven years in a row at one point through like junior high and high school, I won my bracket challenge with my friends. There would be a group of us and I won it seven years in a row. And it was with a pretty decent sized group. Uh, so I've got, you know, I've got some, some bracketology in me. Um, I used to make a huge bracket that covered my entire wall in my apartment in college. I've got a picture on YouTube I'll put up here. I've got a better picture that I can't find. It was from the year before. And I can't find, it. I've got two balls, I'm palming, you know, these basketballs out on each side, like the wings poster, Michael Jordan. And um, I couldn't find that picture. But this one that you see here, uh, this is me in college, um, 
basically making a 12 by 10 foot bracket <laughs> on my wall. And that was really fun. And then we'd print off the winner of each round and, you know, tape it up to the wall. It was really, really fun. Um, I've gotten less interested in college basketball the years as the years have gone on. I still love it, but a little bit less interested than I am in the NBA and the NFL. But this is a this is a really really fun time. I was actually at the game, uh, the Villanova UNC game, when Villanova won at the buzzer after it looked like North Carolina had just forced overtime. It was like almost like back to back buzzer beaters. It felt like I was actually there at that game. I went to that Final Four in Houston, and was there at the Final Four and then at the championship as well. So love March Madness. Because we've got the bracket challenge going on, I'm going to not get into much to what I think because I want you guys to have your own opinions and enter the bracket challenge and we'll see what happens. I will say this though. I think Gonzaga is going to win it finally. To me, they're, they've been the best team from start to finish for the entire season. It hasn't really even been close. They're undefeated and they're just due. It feels like Gonzaga is due. And so I'm going to, I'm going to tell you now, I've got Gonzaga as my champs. Not a huge surprise there. I think most of America has them as the champs. And there's one other thing I'm going to say is I think you're going to see Georgetown make a big splash as a 12 seed. There's always a 12 seed that does it. Georgetown just won the Big East tournament. Patrick Ewing's all fired up from that. He's all fired up from Madison Square Garden requiring him to show his badge and identification, you know, to get around. And hot streaks are very, very important in sports, especially in college basketball leading into the March Madness NCAA tournament. And they just won the Big East tournament. And they were blowing teams out with the exception of Villanova, who they beat by just one point. But they beat Creighton by like 30 or something in the championship. And so to me, I think Georgetown rides that streak. They ride Patrick Ewing's uh, you know, tenacity and excitement and leadership. And I think you see Georgetown as a 12 seed go at least to the Sweet 16, potentially even Elite Eight, but I've got Georgetown going to the Sweet 16. So those are the two things I'll give you I'll give away about my bracket. The rest you will see when the brackets are revealed on Friday because Friday is when the brackets all get locked and play really starts because the playing games will be done. So a little different this year. Usually it's Thursday, Friday, first round, Saturday, Sunday, second round. They pushed it back a day because of COVID stuff. They've got teams like on standby. They've got four teams that if one team has to withdraw because of COVID, another team fills in. And so there's just different protocols this year. But that's all the time we have for today. Uh, thank you again for joining. Please subscribe. Please comment. Please share this with your friends. You guys are awesome. I will see you tomorrow. I am out. Peace. Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports. Cause we are-